Hello everyone, welcome to InfoSec Campus Sec Tools podcast. I'm your host of the show, Sanup Thomas. Today we have author of Chilling Framework, Kai Jun with us. Kai, welcome to the show. Hello. Awesome. Hello everybody. Yep. We'll we'll pretty much start with how you started into InfoSec. Um what's your background and where are you from and how things are there uh, especially in in current situation. I didn't spend much on my school work. I spent but I spent much of my time on a uh, InfoSec. So I guess that explains a lot how I started InfoSec. I see. I see. Um, right. Were mm-hmm. were InfoSec was uh, one of your academic studies or you just learned it uh, by yourself? No, it, it, it not it, it wasn't my academic studies. My academic studies was a uh, business administration and it didn't work out for me 100%. I see. I it see. was a total yeah, it was a total failure to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think the self-learning actually helps a lot of uh, people because they at least start learning like how to learn things rather than just being academically educated. Well, the, the academic part is like not no offenses to people who have actually graduated or mastered uh, from InfoSec uh, academically, but um people I've noticed that people who have actually picked up the InfoSec as kind of really passion, not not by force um from academy or uh, by by the regular campus uh, structure uh, they tend to have a better understanding or better learning methods or how to you know pick up or adapt to new new technologies and you know explore explore infosec well i guess uh, it, it all goes back to the uh, the education systems that you know we have throughout the world not only malaysia no, or no, not only anywhere in the world you must i mean first you must have uh, a lecturer that you know you, what what you say is totally correct you must have a lecturer or a teacher which is 100% dedicated his life in to uh, you know computers and infosec and uh, he must have passion in order to lead the students so true infosec it's not uh, yeah it's not i mean it's not a thing for for infosec is not a thing for you to uh, pick up a book and learn and yeah and and whether be that no this is not something like that it changes every day you know it changes every hour it uh, you have new things uh, pop up you know like like every couple of days so you need somebody to have passion to uh, to bring you there i see i understand if you're expecting yeah i mean if you're expecting for teachers if you're not expecting for teachers then uh, it's much more easier you're going to learn it yourself yeah so how how are things at your end these days uh, how how do you keep your sanity and uh, your researches these days especially in the current lockdown situation oh we used to have lockdown and then uh, i mean i'm in china right now so we used to have lockdown and uh, everything it's very smooth right now uh, the only differences that i can see you know before and after the, uh, the this 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 entire situation is uh, we are getting as i mean chilling as a open source project we are getting a more and more contributors around the world i cannot say this is a good thing right now i mean apparently is a good good thing for the project we have more contributors but i guess it's pretty much due to the lockdown everybody got no got nothing to do and uh, pretty much everybody wanted to uh, learn something new so they bump into our project and they start contributing yeah hope we get through this uh, together the entire world uh, and uh, get our normal routine life Yeah, I mean, we we got selected into a uh, uh, Black Hat, oh yeah, Singapore Black Hat Asia this year, and uh, well, they postponed it. So I hopefully they don't cancel it, but they postponed it. 
Yeah, it was uh, typically it happens in March and and uh, then uh, they pushed into like somewhere in October or September end or October. Uh, yes, yeah. end of September, early October. That, that, yeah, exactly. That, that kind of yeah, yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. They don't. Um, I mean, I see a lot of conferences are actually going, either cancelling or postponing or or going virtuals. Uh, well, we host uh, besides in Singapore, and this year we plan to host it in uh, uh, virtual. Um, considering the current situations, we don't know how how we are heading to. Uh, but just to be on the safer side, uh, just to just to make sure that everybody's safe, uh, we just uh, announced it as as virtual this year. I uh, hope things are right. good. Right. Great. Um. In now about about Ceiling Framework, how did that idea came to you? How how was the project developed? I I used to work with this. Uh, I used to work with this uh, Spanish based antivirus company mm-hmm. for the past thirteen uh, years. Uh, I mean, we used to have issue on uh, malware sandboxing, and uh, I mean, until today, we still haven't seen any good. Uh, or or or. Uh, we still haven't seen any good uh, malware sandbox uh, around. So, I mean, I, I'm not commenting on, on the uh, those top-notch commercial one. Of course, they have money and, and, and resources to build a better one. But for a lower-end community, when I say lower-end community, we are saying, you know, not enterprise, we are saying things like you know, universities, schools. Uh, uh, we are talking about, you know, uh, self-learning uh, individuals. If they wanted to look at uh, malware, if they wanted to look something, if they wanted to learn something about malware, the first thing is, of course, you need to look at the sandbox. And uh, none of the sandbox actually provide a very flexible way to uh, to uh, to analyze a malware. That is number one. And then number two is the IoT framework. All right. So when we started to uh, analyze the IoT framework, I always discovered that when it comes to uh, uh, ARM MIPS, ARM64, you know, this kind of uh, SOC system on chip uh, systems, we don't have a very complete tools. So when it comes to reverse engineering tools, debugging tools, you know, disassembler, you know, these kind of things, the entire, the entire, uh, the entire place, the entire industry, it's not as mature as what we have in, uh, the current x86 platform that we are having you know all kind of tools all, all kind of emulator all kind of fuzzle we we don't we, we don't have that kind of things to uh to uh to solve that kind of issue so when i look at the uh, malware industry when i look at the iot industry then uh, i decided we should do something which is 100 percent cross-platform and uh a 100 cross-platform 100% uh, uh, across uh, architecture. So we shouldn't have any architecture limitation. We shouldn't have any OS limitation, but all the tools, all the API, all the, all, all, all the uh, things that you, when you need to do a reverse engineering, it should be a standard interface for everyone. So this is what we wanted to achieve. I see, I see. Initially, mm-hmm. what uh, was the uh, the plan of development? Like you, you had any structure of development or uh, you, you picked up, like especially you mentioned that cross architectures and cross platforms. Mm-hmm. Did you had a selection of like which which uh, uh, which language that you need to choose or like what kind of uh, developing patterns that you need to choose? Well, that that is a very good question. So, okay, I, I like that question actually. Uh, let, let's put it this way. That is a lot of, uh, of course, there's a lot of language for us to choose when we want to start. When it comes to performance, uh, you have no choice. You have to go for C. So we had 
a very long internal discussion between me and Queen and, and the rest of the people. Queen is the one that actually developed a unicorn engine. Mm -hmm. So we, we had a long discussion and we decided to go for Python. Okay. So reason number one, it's uh, all hackers knows Python. That is basic. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it doesn't know Python, you're not a hacker. As simple as that, right? So that is, that is, I mean, the Golang people will kill me for now, but uh, <laughs> we did look at. <laughs> I'm expecting those yeah. comments anyways. Yeah, let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, uh, I mean, yeah, we, uh, to be honest, uh, me and Queen, uh, we, we know zero thing about uh, Golang. I love to, I, I, I used to love uh, Ruby a lot, but, you know, I, 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 Ruby seems to be a slowdown and the development is not there. So, and then uh, if, if we choose C, if you choose C language for the performance uh, or whatever thing there is, we will go into a point that uh, it's not easy for a new contributor to come in. All right. Yep. So if you're looking at a brand new, let's say a, a college student, all right, they, they wanted to learn uh, how to develop an OS. So Chilling Framework is actually a very good platform for them to learn that. Or they, they wanted to contribute to, to a Chilling, but C is always something not easy for them to come in. So we decided to go with our Python. Okay. Easy to develop and uh, everybody can accept it. And uh, you have enough API, you know, you have enough, uh, 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 you have enough library for you to work with. So yeah, this is one of the things that uh, we want to go for. Of course, at the uh, fundamental level, if you're looking, looking at the engine itself, we are using Unicorn Engine, which is created by Queen around. 2015 and then uh, when he created a unicorn engine he actually worked with our team so i mean me and queen is from uh, vnsec vietnamese security group so we, we we talk about this a lot and then uh even when unicorn before unicorn came out we uh, we, 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 we we did a brainstorm on how to make unicorn better and so on and so forth so that is around five years ago and then uh this year we are we released a cheating based on unicorn engine Okay, Unicorn Engine only emulates a CPU and it's 100% perfect for us because when we build Chilling, we just wanted a CPU emulator. We don't want device driver, we don't hard disk, we don't want display emulation, we, we don't want all these things. We just need a CPU that can emulate the code and Chilling should handle everything from there. I see. Um, for our listeners mm -hmm. who may or may not have a better understanding about uh, binary emulations or binary exploitations, um, would you mind explaining a brief about what uh, Chilling Framework framework is all all about? So uh, yes, Chilling Framework it's a uh, it's it's a little framework. We don't call it tools; we call it framework. I mean, that that that's a uh, differences, of course. So uh, it's a emulation of framework that emulates uh, all kind of things. So you can emulate uh, uh, you can emulate a Wi-Fi router, okay. Uh, you can, or of course, on your, on your x86 based uh, computer, you can emulate a CCTV, okay? You can emulate uh, all kind of uh, Windows error environment. So these, we, we're going to have a few good things uh, if you use a uh, Chilean framework. Number one is uh, if you receive a Wi-Fi router and you want to understand how the entire Wi-Fi router works. So the first thing is uh, you're going to get a firmware and then you try to understand a bit by bit. This is how traditional hackers uh, do it. So now with a Chilean framework, you can emulate the entire Wi-Fi router, okay, on your x86 machine, then you're going to have a few advantage, okay. Advantage number one, it's uh, you're going to have all kind of uh, reverse engineering tools that you have in x86. Then you can use it to analyze your Wi-Fi router. 
Okay, this this wasn't possible before. Okay, number two, it said you can use your your x86 power. I, I mean, everybody knows that x86 currently is the most common, powerful platform that we can hold in our hand nowadays. Okay, so you can use your 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 your, your current RAM, your current processing power to analyze a Wi-Fi router to fast your Wi-Fi router. Okay, or to fast your CCTV firmware, which not possible again before. All right. And uh, that is for that is for that is for the uh the Apple six level. So when I mentioned Apple six, it's include uh iPhone, Mac OS. Uh, are talking about uh, things like uh, uh FreeBSD, Linux, Android. You know these these are the Apple six level. So we also build support for our Windows, so you can easily run a binary of our Windows inside chilling framework again. You're gonna have a few uh, advantage, okay? So uh, traditionally, how people do it is, uh, they take, let's say you receive a a a a, a WannaCry ransomware today, okay? You want to analyze it. You're gonna install a brand new one, a uh, brand new Windows inside your VM. Then you try to run your WannaCry. Then you try to analyze it, you know, and so on and so forth. So this is how uh, traditional uh, uh researchers uh, do it. So with a Trillium framework, you just need to use Trillium framework to execute on top of your so it's your Linux platform. And uh, we built all kinds of uh, uh, API for users to, uh, to, to escape from all kinds of protection. So for example, uh, your, 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 your ransomware or your malware is, look for, is looking for anti-debugging interface. Mm. So since we are controlling the CPU and since we are controlling the uh, OS, Okay, the CPU it's controlled by us, of course, and then uh, the OS is controlled by the, the entire layer of our chilling. So we can always tell the debugger that you know we actually don't have a debugger in there. Or when they check for a hard disk name, you can just return whatever name you want to the to, to the malware. If, if the malware looks for uh, let's say uh, uh is this an active PC? So they look for Outlook and they look for Outlook history. We can always fit all kind of uh, information into the into the uh, analysis environment, so they will the malware will always know that they are inside an actual environment. You know, so it's up to your imagination on how to uh, how to use a chilling. So that's why I say chilling. It's a framework and it's not a tool. Tools is something that you know you build and you run it, and that's it. Chilling always a uh, framework is a thing that. It comes with all kind of API, and then you can mix and match and build whatever things you want on top of uh, the framework. Yeah, I also like the fact um, it all it allows people to kind of instrument uh, or the researchers to instrument along with maybe one uh, any of their other tools like maybe NIDA Pros or um, you know binary ninjas and whatnot. So any other uh, mm -hmm. tools that they were using that you made it like functionally very easy. Or any researchers to basically instrument that using chilling frameworks. That's a cool uh, work there. Uh, so far, there, there, there are two official uh, uh, software they have that we have uh, tested to uh, to work together with uh, some of the tools. I mean, three. One is uh, of course a uh, GDB. So, so you can use a uh, GDB on your uh, from your Linux mm. to connect to chilling to debug uh, Mac OS. You can debug uh, uh, iOS. You can debug. Uh, uh, of course, such uh, uh, Linux, you can debug a uh, Windows binary from your Linux uh, uh, GDB. So that is number one. Of course, uh, you can do the same thing with uh, IDA Pro. 
So you can use your IDA Pro to connect to actually to, uh, to, to develop your, your MIPS uh, firmware, you know, your, your ARM firmware or a Windows uh, PE uh, firmware. Everything you can do it from one single OS. So let's say you want to debug an EXE, uh, EXE file. Okay, you don't have to add from Linux. So you have a Linux IDA Pro, you have a Linux base, uh, you install chilling on your Linux and you can start to debug your Windows file on top of Linux without having a VM or another machine. So everything can be do from one single PC and one single platform. Understand? Yeah, that that's mm -hmm. like a designing side that that looks like very um, convenient for our researchers to also to pull pull uh, chilling frameworks into the, their tool sets and then you know work around uh, among you know kind of uh, together with other tools. That's uh, that's that's a cool design there. Mm -hmm. We even uh, inter uh, we we receive a PR a purchase request uh, uh, a pull request uh, from uh, Dominic uh, a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He even integrated uh, his AFL plus uh plus, -huh. commonly used uh, fuzzer yeah. into a chilling. So you can use chilling to fast Windows, to fast uh, ARM, to fast uh, you know Mac, iPhone, or whatever thing there is. So yeah, we already have that kind. Of, yeah, we have that, have that kind of a uh, 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 pull request, and we merge into it at the main branch, of course. How do, how do you man? I'm sure that there are a lot of people, especially now that a lot of people are uh, contributing to um, you know chilling framework. So some people might be like mm -hmm. raising issues to resolve like what what's they're encountering issues in their their environments or their infrastructures. Uh, how do you cope mm -hmm. up with um, all these contributions or uh, pull requests? Well, uh, the only thing it's uh, we have to we have to answer pull requests. Mm -hmm. uh as as fast as possible that is always our 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 our, our way of uh, doing things you know mm -hmm. i mean uh, if you if you contribute something to a to a project that you really like okay you as a contributor you always wanted the uh, project master to receive the, to to merge your code into the project as soon as possible yeah. so we are putting the same mindset all right into the, the the project so whenever there's a new pull request we will merge it as fast as possible. Okay, after reviewing, uh, currently and uh, now there are like uh, three of us to uh, to review the uh, pull request and uh, and I uh, decided to merge it or not. And then uh, of course, uh, ninety nine percent of the pull requests we need to comment. Okay, there are something for them to change or they are using some generic ways. If they are using some generic ways, and if we already have an API for that, so we will put in all all kind of advice to a. Uh, uh, I mean, into the uh, command so they can change their code, clean it up before they can actually merge into the uh, the, the main repository. So three of us, and uh, as fast as possible, that is what we wanted. Unless we replied something, and then uh, you know the the, the contributor actually uh, took his time to uh, to reply and response and so on and so forth. That that will be another story. But on our side, we must be fast. Yeah, true. Um, and and that's also important to keep keep the projects in a very active stage. Otherwise, some people uh, will look into like GitHub records and they say like, hey, this this project is not more active and there is no, um, you know, it doesn't make sense to basically send a pull request in some cases. So to keep keep projects active, I think those um, responding to each pull request with comments and necessary guidance and that's that's really a great a great amount of effort there. It's a def definitely time taking one. 
it, it is it is uh, time taking. I mean, uh, we do see a lot of uh, improvement from from uh, from the uh, community. We have uh, we have a couple of guys uh, which is uh, currently uh, very active in contributing on on Linux and uh, on 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 Windows uh, separately. They, oh, I, I, I mean, I, I shouldn't use uh, this kind of terminology, but they, they, they used to send in some code which are not averagely uh, good. But nowadays, uh, I mean, that was like two, three months ago. So nowadays, when they send in a pull request, once we, I mean, once we see their pull request, we don't have to spend more than 10 minutes to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to, to review the code. It could be a three minutes look at all the code. It could be a... A three hundred line of codes, and then uh, we can merge it. You know, almost instant. They are getting very, very good right now. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's also mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, good to keep that code qualities across different contributors, and you know, keep maintaining that. Um, do you uh, do you recall any interesting experience or interesting stories um, during the whole development? Um, let that be from from communities or. Your your personal experience while developing the whole project. Well, I uh, I mean, uh, if I if I ask you to would, let me, uh, pick the the top one. <laughs> well, the, the 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 top one will be uh, the top one will be of course we we uh, the things that we will never forget is we even need to make a pull request to our upstream, which is a unicorn engine, to uh -huh. patch some of the code in order to make our system run. You know, we, we, we even go until the extent. So uh, a, a little bit background of a unicorn engine. Unicorn engine is stripped off from QEMU, as uh, I suppose probably you, you already know. Uh -huh. So QEMU emulates everything, and uh, unicorn engines only emulates uh, uh, CPU. Uh -huh. And it provides a lot of uh, interface. And uh, when in uh, Unicorn Engine design, is they is he is designed with the, the entire design itself. During that time, we wanted to run a piece of CPU code. Okay, so let's say uh, there's a piece piece of uh, ARM code, and you want to run in a Unicorn Engine. So that is uh, what Unicorn Engine design for. So there's a lot of uh, CTF and all these things uses a Unicorn uh, Engine up to that time. But if you want to run a complete OS on top of Unicorn Engine. The pain started to 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 to, to get there, so uh, we we look at Apes code, we look at ARM code, we and they are quite a fair bit of CPU features that we wanted, and it's not there. So we even it, it took us almost three weeks to discover the bug, and three three minutes to, to write the code and submit and ask it to patch. You know that 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 kind of weird scenario that we are we are, we are facing. Here. During the early stage, uh, 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 during the early stage of uh, of uh, development, I see. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so before uh, we are pretty much on the the uh, end of uh, this podcast. Before we wrap up, um, what do you suggest or advise to people who are into infosec or maybe new to infosec or or people who want to like build uh, uh, tools uh, and especially in open source community? Uh, there, there are a few things that uh, I always uh, wanted to share. Okay. Uh, when you are uh, start start goes if anyone started wanted to go to a uh, infosec community, there are a few things that uh, that uh, you always uh, wanted to look for. Okay. Of course, things number one is uh, people 
always wanted to go into infosec community with a bug hunter title. You understand what I mean? Yeah. Right. So if you're looking at a at a bug, bug hunter title, you can look for bugs and uh, you can you can get bug bounty and you can get favors. I mean that is what the media focuses on. But there are certain things that uh we 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 we, we are we are looking at. You know, us me twin and you know our group of friends. Are we do we wanted to become a bug hunter, which is fix one issue? And then uh, you're gonna look for another bug. You are helping that the the world to fix another issue, and you will discover another bug and fix another issue. Or you're gonna develop something helpful for the uh, reverse engineering community to help more people and to to enable all these bug hunters to look for more bugs on a short period of time. So that that is the thing that uh, you want to set your mind on. You know, you want to be a bug hunter, or you want to be something some somebody that uh, help more to, to enable the bug hunting process faster. So uh, uh, when it comes to an uh, infosec community, there they are few fundamental things that, uh, that uh, people always get confused. All these kind of tools, it's not easy. So it's all the fundamental stuff that uh, you need to uh, get yourself uh, get yourself ready to uh, before you go into the actual, you know, if you want to go into a real good bug hunting uh, uh, business right, or a bug hunting business, you need to get your 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 knowledge, your fundamental knowledge very solid. So you need to understand OS, you need to understand CPU, you need to understand you know how 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 things works and all these things. So again, Chilean framework would be a very good platform for you to learn how OS works. Okay, how how uh how hardware works, you know, how how CPU works. You know, it is a good preparation for you to go to the next stage on uh, how how you get your 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 bug hunting title in, in a very strong way, you see. Yeah, I agree. I think um, <laughs> what you rightly pointed out is is uh, interesting topic to discuss on. Um, infosec is wide vast topic, um, and then um, people often get confused about what which direction they need to go forward to. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, I agree. These days, the the probably the first pick would be like choosing as a bug hunters, and um, you know. Um, it's also like okay i'm not saying that this is bad or this is good but um to get the mind very focused and mastering like one piece of art uh, is very important in infosec because it's a lot of distraction uh, in infosec in terms of fascinating field uh, or or fascinating like topics whether it is like car hacking sdrs um, you know typical application bug hunting or reverse engineering malware analysis and whatnots and there are like plethora of uh, fields uh, to fiddle around with So that's that's a good piece of advice Kai. Um thanks again for joining the podcast. Thanks for your time. Um and it was great 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 talking to you. Thank you buddy. Hope to talk to you again. Yeah, see you. And stay safe. Yeah. Stay safe. All right. See you buddy. Yeah, bye-bye. Thanks everyone for listening to the podcast. We'll talk to you in the next episode.